What's up? You got a little faith? And welcome to the seventh episode of season two of the Fagnostic Podcast. I'm your hostess, not your Moses, Matt Hayes. And if I'm still giving you episodes, it means that I'm still looking for answers. Today, I have got two of the Mama Dragons on to talk about what they're doing for LGBTQ children and their mothers. You may have heard of this amazing organization, but if not, it's a nonprofit based in Utah that started as a handful of moms and now serves over 8,000 mothers, impacting countless youth. Mama Dragon's focus is on education programs and safe online spaces where mothers can learn and connect with other Mama Dragons, traveling similar paths as they learn accepting and affirming parenting practices that can help prevent LGBTQ youth suicide and self-harming behaviors, depression, and homelessness. Celeste and Anne are joining us today to talk about how they got involved with the organization. Celeste is the executive director of Mama Dragons. She comes from a business and leadership background and has worked with LGBTQ youth and nonprofits for the past decade. She and her partner Jamie live just outside Seattle and have both come from non-accepting religious backgrounds. This fuels Celeste's passion for understanding and serving the intersectionality of faith and parenting LGBTQ children. Anne is the director of PR and events and came to Mama Dragons after being referred to the organization following her child coming out as trans. From the moment her daughter came out to her, she's been working to help other mothers navigate the waters of supporting and loving their queer children. We all deserve to have a Mama Dragon in our corner, and I'm excited to share this conversation with you. Welcome to the show, Mama Dragons. Mama Dragons. Thank you all for being here today. I have got Anne and Celeste with me. Uh, both of them represent uh, two leaders uh, within the Mama Dragons organization, which I just learned about uh, from a previous guest, Andrew, um, who was letting me know all about what you do uh, to prevent church trauma, basically. Um, so tell me who you are, where you, uh, where you are. I think you're, you're both in Utah, right? So I'm not in Utah. My name is Celeste. I'm the executive director for Mama Dragons, and I'm just out of Seattle in a small town called Bremerton, Washington. I, in fact, have never lived in Utah. Great. <laughs> but, um, but I, I did grow up Mormon. Okay. Uh, went to Brigham Young University, Idaho. Almost was kicked out, which is kind of rad, uh, for being gay. Kissing all the girls. I was definitely kissing all the girls. Yes. Uh, and then I uh, had to lie about it to stay in because there's still problems with that today, right? Mm. You have to repent to, to stick around. And, uh, and now I get an awesome ability to use my business skills and help this amazing organization, Mom and Dragons, grow. And uh, we're pretty simple. Like we, uh, we help moms advocate and learn how to affirm their LGBTQ kids. Mm, like, that's so important. It is. Like, in fact, all the data and all the research out there says that if you want to lower LGBTQ youth suicide, if you want to lower LGBTQ youth depression, you know how you do it? You do it with their parents, specifically yeah. moms. I believe it. I believe that for sure. Um, great. Well, let's get your questions out of the way then. Are you a believer? You know, I am an adventurous type. And so I would say I'm an adventurer when it comes oh, to I love that. An adventurer. Great. Yeah. So I'm like open, curious, but uh, just wanting to go on an adventure. Like there's no real destination I'm looking for. Fantastic. And can you identify your pronouns for us? Yeah. She, her. Great. Awesome, awesome. And let's jump to you now. Where are you located? I am in Salt Lake City, Utah. Awesome. I am the cliche. So <laughs> um, I live here in Salt Lake City. I am a mom to four kids. My husband and I um, are raising these amazing humans. They are ages 15 to 20 right now. And um, that's, that's where we're at. Great. Are you a believer? I am a believer. I am absolutely a believer. I am a believer in human connection. I'm a believer in kindness and in um, mutual respect. I am a believer in um, the way we can reach each other's hearts and care for each other and support each other. I'm a believer that I have the power to lift and support other people and that they have the power to lift and support me. So those are the oh, things yes. that I believe in. I love that. That's wonderful. Um, can you identify your pronouns for us? Yes, my pronouns are she, her, and thank you for asking. Yeah, thank you for, for giving that to us. I appreciate it. I, I think it's so important. Um, people often ask me, just as, as a thought leader in the religious conversation around faith and sexuality, how, why it's important to, to identify your pronouns. And it's just to create that space so that others who maybe do not 
identify as what society purports them to identify as, feel safe um, and seen and heard and, and willing to to identify those. And, and uh, I think it's, I think we, we've got to. I have it in my email closing. Everywhere that I can have my my pronouns identified, I try to. Um, but yeah, I appreciate y'all uh, being willing to uh, divulge that. So uh, I, I love Salt Lake City, by the way. I was there two summers ago. Uh, I was actually camping with two of my really close friends. We drove up and did like, you know, Bryce Canyon. We did Zion. We did, um, and we went up into Park City because my friend's sister lived there at the time. And that was my first time going through Utah and going that far north. I've been all over the world and all over the country, but never up into the PNW or into Utah. Um, and I was just like, oh my gosh, I could live here. It's so beautiful and clean and like the air tastes better. <laughs> it's just great. So tell me if for someone who's never heard of Mama Dragons, how would you describe what it is, Celeste? Yeah, Mama Dragons uh, is a nonprofit that supports moms who have LGBTQ kids. And they do that through education. They do it through support groups um, and different programs that help moms understand how to understand the journey what an lgbtq kid uh or adult like what their journey is and and how do they support them as a parent sure. like i feel like parenting they always say like there's no book for parenting an lgbtq kid and i guess that's where mama dragons comes in and we try to give that to be that book yeah be the book yeah you know and and i imagine that a lot of what you educate parents with is just saying create the space love your kid what else, what else happens? I mean, what, what, how do you, do you have, cause I assume most of the parents come to you and they're at least wanting to try to understand their kid. It's not like they're coming to you to say like, I hate my kid. Can you affirm that? <laughs> no, that's not a requirement. I right? hope not. <laughs> there has to be some sort of wanting to understand. Yeah. Them. It's, you can't teach someone who doesn't want to be taught. Yeah. It, it, so, you know, it's, it's really unique for each parenting journey. Um, a lot of our, our moms, when they come to us, they'll jump onto an education platform that we have called Parachute, and they do some online learning. Cool. Um, a lot of times people take a minute to say anything, any of our support groups, and they just listen for a long time. Um, but the the actual resources and things that they need is vast in wide array, everything from gender and people at different ages exploring their gender to suicide prevention, um, to family dynamics, to support with religion. Do you have parents come, and maybe we can uh, jump to you, Anne, for this one. Do you all have parents come to to the organization after, I mean, God forbid, you know, a parent loses their child to self-infliction or to suicide, but do you, do you have parents come to you after they have lost a child to try to seek reconciliation with what they have been a part of? Or does that make some sense I'm asking? Like, or is it mostly people who are actively trying to, to understand their kid? I think in general, we mostly have people who are actively trying to understand their kid. But with over 8,000 members, we have... Wait, you, th and, you have um, 8,000 8, members? We have over 8,000 members. We're in every state and we're in 20 countries around the world. And we're just cow. continuing to grow because there is a need. Yeah, It's incredible, wow. isn't it? So let's, can you talk, tell me where the name Mama Dragons came from? I'm obsessed with the name because it sounds just so like, like Mama Bear to me. You know what I mean? Like it, it just seems so like aggressive it's aggressive <laughs> it came from a, a blog post that was written by one of our moms meg in 2012 and she was writing about her experience with her own child at the time her son was 13 and i actually know him adorable human being right 13 year old um and when she found out he was gay and they were in the mormon or lds church she just envisioned kind of everything that was stacked up against him and she just like was infuriated, you know, like, and she knew that like being a mama bear wasn't enough. And she literally envisioned herself having talons and fighting for this kid and like, and that she was a mama dragon. And oh. so that, that name kind of got adopted by this group from that blog post that like being a mama bear was enough that they needed mama dragons to fight for them. Yeah. I love that. So tell me about the countries that y'all got into because 80 countries you said around the world? 20. 20. Okay. Still, that's that's a large number. And are any of them not first world countries that are, that are maybe under theocratic rule where you have to kind of be secretive to go in there and stuff? Uh, yeah, some of those countries. And in that case, you know, there's a lot of worry about joining our support groups or what resources they have. Um, our biggest country is actually Canada. 
um, besides uh, Mexico. But in each culture, people have their own triggers and traumas. Of and, course. Like, uh, or even each state, like in the U.S., uh, a lot of our moms down in Texas are really worried right now. Yeah. A lot of them are coming out of the state because of what's happening there. Um, moms in Florida, they're outraged, right? Like, and so we're supporting not only like parents and potentially like Utah, where there's a lot of religious persecution, but the, there's political persecution happening in these yep. states. Yep. God. Yeah, it's really heartbreaking to see what's going on right now because I think we just felt so, maybe not felt so safe because I think we all kind of like, kind of were, it was, we had a bit of trepidation, I think, with the liberties or the rights that we were guaranteeing. But it is really heartbreaking to see. I just think about the kids that are living in those states watching, you know, even if they're not out, they're aware that they're battling over their worth. And mm -hmm. for them to have to watch the news and to go to church and hear people talk about this, I, I, I just that's part of why I keep fighting, because it's it's not about the people who are you know just coming out of it, the trauma, but it's the people that are in the middle of it. And th these kids that are in these pews and their their entire worldview is being constructed by these people who were just advocating for fear and for hate. And it just, it's, it's heartbreaking. I'm so thankful that y'all exist for that purpose. Um, how, when you were coming, cause you identify as a lesbian, right? Correct. So when you were coming out, you were at Brigham Young. How, yeah. I mean that there were, there's moral codes there. How, how did you, I know you almost got kicked out, but how did you, how did you have this, the confidence and the strength to be like, I'm going to be me. Like, I don't care. Well, I mean, that took a minute, right? Um, sure. First of all, like me and probably a ton of people today in the same situation, a lot of times you don't know. Like, yeah. I didn't know for a minute. You know, I just knew that I had really close relationships with women and I liked cuddling with them and holding their hands was awesome. Right. But I was stupid as can be, right? Like, in a religious dynamic, it makes sense that that could occur, right? right? Like, you don't have close, intimate relationships with the opposite sex. You're not having sex. You know, and so the, it was really confusing at that time. And I, I remember the first time I fell in love with a girl, I told her and she was like, I think it's Satan and we should go see our bishop, <laughs> you know? And so we saw the bishop and we're like, oh God. Uh, but, you know, later, like it was just, it was, there's a lot of shame involved. There was a lot of secrets. It, I mean, at BYU when I was outed is what happens when I sent a dean and outed and I lost friends over it. I had a lot of shame. And even if, Maybe I could have kept those friends. I I didn't know how to even address that because yeah. it didn't fit within the cultural norm. Um, and I ended up pushing a lot of people away. And so it took me a while to kind of separate myself from that and being like, okay, where where is me in all of this? Yeah, yeah. Wow. And how, I know that you have got, uh, you said you had one child who identifies as, as some one of the letters of LGBTQ. Can you tell us about how you got involved with Mama Dragons and, and what your what it was like for you on a, the journey to acceptance for your kid? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so it was about three years ago, my child, who was 14 at the time, um, came tiptoeing into my bedroom in the middle of the night. Um, shaking like an earthquake and sat down on my bed and said, mom, I've got something I need to tell you. And then whispered, please don't be mad. Ugh. And I just threw my arms around my kid. And I said, there's nothing you can say that will change how much I love you. And throughout the process of that conversation, my child came out as transgender and she explained to me, I'm not a boy, I'm a girl. And we sat together and we cried and we talked about all sorts of things. And then eventually she went back to bed. And um, well, before she did, though, I promised her I had her back. And so she went off to bed, but I did not. I right. sat awake thinking, I have just made a huge promise. And I don't know how to make good on that promise. And so I jumped onto um, an online group of just a private chat group with some friends and I told them what was going on and I said, you know, I just needed some direction. And they said, join Mama Dragons. And so I did. I applied that night and was um, admitted in the next little while to join Mama Dragons. And um, it has just been an incredible experience. I knew that my... I knew that my world was about to change and I was ready for it. I was, I was ready to go with that. 
I knew that I was going to change within my faith community yeah. and um, in my extended family. And, and I was ready. I knew my priority was this child. Yeah. And so... So um, you, you were an active member of the LDS church at that time. I was, yes. Uh-huh. I was raised LDS, and, um, but you know, my background's a little different. Both of my parents are very liberal. So I come from a very conservative religion, but raised by very liberal, have just highly educated um, parents from the East Coast. So I had always kind of lived in this dichotomy of sure. not really fitting in in either world. And it was almost this moment of, you know, um, needing to choose what thing was my biggest priority in that moment. Yeah. Um, I remained active in the LDS church for a long time. And there's still a lot of traditions and yeah. um, and beliefs that are still dear to me and memories and music and so on that still still matter to me. But it was so great, even though even though I remained, I personally remained active in my church for a long time, my my sense of belonging and community changed because sure. um, I was alone. I was going through this huge thing, and there wasn't anybody who could relate to me in those pews, or at least not who was speaking up. I was about to say, yes, that. Right. <laughs> and so within Mama Dragons, I was able to find a community, people I could talk to, people I could, I could be frustrated, you know, vent my frustrations, and I could ask my questions, and I could just sit back and observe their conversations and find the peace and comfort of of knowing I'm not alone and we're in this together and we've got our kids. Yeah. And, um, you know, there's that. And then there's just some of the, I mean, those are like the soul filling questions, but there are just the logistics too. How do I raise a transgender child who was 14 in Utah? How do you do that? Um, one of the first conversations I observed when I first joined Mama Dragons was someone talking about haircuts and how they had taken their kid to get a haircut and the salon had turned them away and said, we're not comfortable with this. And I was in the process of thinking that we got to go get Sophia a haircut. And it never occurred to me that I needed to, you know, call ahead and make mm -hmm. sure she was going to be in a safe place. And so I did that and I wouldn't have thought to do that without some of these just simple logistical things that pop up in the support group to you know guide you in just the day-to-day -day activities like getting a haircut right god so how because I, I i've been wanting to do an episode with with just parents of of children who have come out as transgender because i i the the I feel like because of the biological connection that most parents have with their you know their kid um if they are biological uh there is that that morning or that loss of the child that they knew, that journey just is so interesting to me. How long did it take you? I mean, I know that in the moment you said, I got your back, I love you. You can, you know, I, you're not going to lose me. But I imagine you, it took, there was a learning curve, at least internally, where you were having to figure out like, is this right? Am I wrong? Like, what am I, you know, how did you, how did you get through that time? You know, I think I cried a lot, but not for the reasons you might expect. I cried every time somebody was kind to her. I cried every time somebody used her name. I cried every time somebody said to me in, you know, my first week of, of knowing her truth, yeah. somebody said to me, I've got you. And I cried because somebody had me, mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, a lady up the street who had been one of her church leaders when she was a little girl. Um, came running down to our house with a necklace with her new name on it. And, I mean, it was just moments of those kinds of, I mean, what I would call, all my life I would call a Christ-like act. Yeah. And though perhaps not exactly endorsed by the church I was raised in, you know? <laughs> Isn't it weird? So, These, like, the, 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 the simplest Christ-like act is love, and yet... It's the, the last action we see from the majority, or, and I hate painting with a broad stroke, even though I do it all the time. We just don't see it enough in, in, in the way that it's practiced. Um, what about run-ins that you all have had with the LDS Church? 
Celeste, have y'all, I mean, because you're the executive director, so I imagine that you bear a lot of the brunt of any kinds of, um, you know, antagonistic uh, behavior. But have you run into any aggressors or people making threats or anything like that? You know, it's... The LDS Church definitely knows who the Mom and Dragons are, right? They know that you put 8,000 moms on it, you're in trouble. Yeah. Right. Um, We've had ups and downs, you know? I feel like there's been times where it feels like things are really progressing, and it it looked like specifically the LDS Church was moving forward. And then there have been times that you're like, what the heck just happened? Yeah. You know, and they take major step back. Um, Even like, I remember they were, the Mormon church was one of the first mainstream Christian churches that seemed to like, it wasn't gay marriage, but it was like the idea of unions or there was a, it was almost a little bit of progressive mentality about the gay lifestyle. And then it was, I I forget what happened. Something else came out in in the, you know, the the federal or the, the larger media. And I feel like they then like recanted what they had said. But you're right. It's, it seems like, do you feel like there's a place in the future of LDS or the Mormon churches where you see some acceptance and affirmation? You know, I don't know, honestly. Um, are, you, are you still involved with the church? I am not. I, I did. Um, I spent a good period of time doing advocation within because, yeah. as we know, if you want to change your organization, it's easier to do within than out. Um, but I, I kind of came to the point where I was like, this is hurting more than helping yeah. myself and others. Yeah. Uh, and I don't know, like, it, it, I think what's tricky is you get born into wherever you're born, whatever religion, whatever family, this is what you've got. And you prescribe to that is your reality. And if now today, like, because Mormonism is much like, I would say, like, um, evangelical religions, right? Yeah. Or uh, maybe even like a Jewish religion where it's like more than just a church you go to on Sunday. It's your whole world. It's your family, culture. It's, it's everything. And it's not that you can just shop for another church. It doesn't right. work that way. But in the construct now of today, I'm like, what are my needs? Like, there's so many other religions that could potentially fit those needs. Yeah, exactly. So, like, I was like, well, I'm spending all this time and resources trying to fix this thing that's broken that doesn't want to be fixed. And really, maybe the best thing is to find something that can really fulfill your needs. Yeah. I wonder to some degree if it's going to exist long term. Like, mm. what will them, besides them having lots of money, what will be the need long term? I don't know. Like, it's it's always like, we just know what's happening to religion today. Yeah. Religions are shrinking. The need is changing. Um, and I just, I don't know. I They have built some policies, some doctrines that are so built into gender and marriage that I don't know how they're going to unwind those. Yeah. Like the, they formed, they, they built themselves into a corner on it. Yes, absolutely. And now they're fighting themselves, tried out of it, but they can't because they built the corner. And okay. the Mormon church, I feel like LDS just, and this is, correct me if I'm wrong, but it seems like a very micromanaged organization and that it's very centrally run by a group of people. Are there sects of Mormonism that that have tried to split off to be like, oh, we're the progressive Mormons? Or, or, there you know, are, but they generally turn into, I mean, people believe Mormonism is a cult, but they usually turn in these off sect, small cults, right. uh, and they don't move anywhere. Um so, yeah, you're right. In the concept of Mormonism, everything is very centralized. They still believe there's a modern prophet, there's yeah. all the apostles, everything comes from the top down. Um, and everything is done the same way in every single church throughout the world. So you growing up Mormon, how were, how were your parents when you came out? Are they Did that change their faith at all? No, my, my journey was trickier, right? I had, uh, I had some disconnection with my parents when I came out, and I was living with another family. And that family was active LDS, and... There was some big problems with it, and um, I felt like I wasn't safe to go back there. Yeah. And um, so that I had a loss, but it wasn't my family of origin. Yeah. Um, yeah. Unfortunately, like that's that's not abnormal, I guess. Yeah. Well, and you know, a lot of what hap- how we we progress the. Um, advocation and acceptance of love of our community is just by people being associated with us, being related to us, being our neighbor and just seeing, oh, like they're not a pedophile. They're just a normal person who just wants to love, you know, whatever it yeah. is. Right. Um, but and what about I mean, because I think it's ignorant to think that like uh, the, the leaders of the LDS church don't 
have gay people in their families or trans people in their bloodline. I mean, how you would you would think that that those people, when having to make the choice whether to love their kid or their spouse or their sibling or their parent or not, that they would choose love. Do you are there leaders within the LDS Church that you know of who have turned their back on their queer family member, child, parent, sister, brother? Yeah, so I think that they would not see it that way. I think that they believe yeah. that their version of love is actual love. Their version of let me force you into a box that you don't fit into is how I'm going to show you that I love you. Yeah. And so they don't see the disconnect between their words of love from the pulpit and the way that they treat their loved ones. And I believe they really do think that they're acting out of love. I know that we have tried to tell them that they are not, <laughs> but, um, but they don't hear it because I think just as Celeste was saying, you can be so ingrained, so painted into a corner with the things you've said for so long that even if it's your kid or your brother, and we definitely know of circumstances, leaders who are in that situation, um, they have just come down so firmly on what they believe is right and wrong. And that if they can, the only way to love you is to try to save your soul. And your soul can't be saved if you're who you say you are. So we have to fix that. And that's how we're going to love you. Yep. Um, and now that said, I do need to add the caveat that um, with 8,000 members in our organization, we come from all sorts of um, belief systems. Um, it's not just Mormon LDS. It is not just LDS. And in fact, um, even within the um, people who are um, Mormon adjacent, if you will, um, we have many who have remained active in the church and really tried to make that work. And that is their journey. And we have many who have left loudly and angrily and we probably have a whole lot in between and that's just the yeah. that's just the group that are mormon adjacent um, my assistant on my team she has a southern baptist background and our um our stories are actually remarkably similar even though they happened many miles apart yeah. um our our upbringing is really similar and i think that that's kind of a niche that mama dragons fills we provide a community, not always, and this isn't everybody's story, but I think we often have people who come from very conservative religions who know in their hearts that there's nothing wrong with their kid. Yeah. They know that their kid is perfect, yeah. and so they lose their community, and they find a new one with us. That's fantastic. That's one of the most heartbreaking things is that, you know, it, when parents... I say choose to love. I don't really think it's a choice. It's just innate. I, I think the choice is to not love. But when they when they choose to follow their love for their kid, losing that entire community can often be really traumatizing for the parent. And not that that trauma outweighs the trauma of, of the queer child, but I'm just so thankful that organizations like Mama Dragons exist to fill a void that one might have in losing their church and you're able to provide that with the community with support um you know with empathy it's just so it's so impressive how are there any stories that stick out to either one of you of of where you have seen how a child's life was probably saved because of your efforts or has there been any or even like has there been a story where you thought things were going great for somebody and then they they got scared and reverted back to their old religious ways because they were afraid to lose their community. Does that make sense? I, I am sure that there are many in both categories, but one of the programs that Mama Dragons offers is kind of a give back program called Paper Hugs. We have a similar one called Wrapped in Hugs. Um, both of these programs are incredible and they are for, um, they allow moms to give back after they've kind of gotten to a place where they are able to do that. Um, Paper Hugs, is a program where moms get together and send cards to kids who are struggling and and sometimes to moms who are struggling as well yeah. and so um i think we calculated last year we sent fifty thousand or so of these paper hugs that means fifty thousand times somebody sat down and said i'm going to write a hug to a stranger i'm going to write a card and let them know that they matter and um, and the, with wrapped in hugs, it's a really similar concept, but it is a blanket program where moms hand make blankets and send them 
to moms or kids in crisis. Um, and I do believe that those programs are changing lives. I know they are. Yeah. I was at um, an event a little while ago um, that I was working at the table, just getting information out about Mama Dragons. And we had a mom come walking up to our table with her husband, and she just burst into tears. And she said, um, my child was in the hospital following a suicide attempt. And you rallied and you sent her cards and you saved her life. And the husband leaned down and said to me, I feel like you saved my wife's life too. It meant as much to her as it meant to my child. Wow. And that was the most moving thing I could possibly hear. And I immediately <laughs> jumped yeah. on my phone and texted that story to the incredible team who is leading that group and organizing that program because we don't get a lot of the feedback. Right. We just, you send it out into the world and and hope that it's doing some good. Um, and, and sometimes I'm sure they fall flat, but sometimes I think we're changing lives. Yeah, absolutely. Oh my gosh. So for both of you, what was the final straw? Are, are you still involved with your church, Anne? I am to an extent. Um, and they're fully I, aware of your child and everything? They absolutely are. Um, yeah. And in fact, I live in a great little neighborhood that has been very good to her. Um, they have uh, none of the leadership to our face have ever dead named her or misgendered her. Really? Whenever people talk to me about her or ask about her, it is always um, with kindness and with the proper terminology. Um, that is not true by any stretch of the imagination for everyone. Right. Yeah. I do still, I, my daughter does not. And, and most of my kids don't, I do still show up at church from time to time and my reasons, you know, they vary. And one of them is that I have people reach out to me all the time and say, Hey, I need somebody to talk to. Yeah. And I saw you at church and I know you have a queer kid. Can we talk? Yeah. And I want to at least be present enough to be somebody people can turn to in that moment, mostly so I can say, join Mama Dragons, yeah. you know? Um, so I still have a little bit of that voice. And I have their teenagers reach out to me in the middle of the night and say, how do I talk to my mom? And and um, I always want to help mom get on board. I want mom to be a safe person to talk to. I'm not a stand-in yeah. for their mom. And so um, we we work together to get mom to that place and so on. And I feel like... Um, for me, if I walk away altogether, I don't have a voice. They don't see me there. They don't know they can come talk to me. Um, mm. And I know for many that that is that's not um, that's not a safe place for them. And I absolutely absolutely validate the departure when it's not safe for you anymore. Yeah. Um, so, and if my daughter at some point right now, she's really proud of it. She tells her friends, look, my mom goes to church still so that she can help people who are struggling there. Um, at some point she might be really bothered by that. She might say, can we stop associating with a group right. that hurts me? And I will walk away yeah, the moment yeah. she says that. Yeah. Wow. What a, I'm so thankful for your heart and, and for that your kid is able to see that and she's able to see the kind of woman that you are and, 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 the, the entire organization represents. Uh, Celeste, where do you see Mama Dragons going? Like, what are your goals with, I mean, 8,000 members is no small feat, but, um, you know, I mean, what, how, how do, I, and also how do people, is it just online or are there chapters in cities that, you know, kind of centralize a meeting place? Yeah, so kind of answer your question, how do they find us? Um, we are mostly online. Okay. Um, we offer, um, education courses online. We have an entire e-learning program for parents and people that want to learn about what it's like to parent LGBTQ kids. We have online support groups and we have different subgroups of those. So we try to really hard to meet where people are at, mm -hmm. wherever they're at in their journey. We try to like create some type of affinity group to meet them. Um, and then the third aspect is we offer regional groups that happen throughout the U.S. Um, and we try to combine people in a way that people can meet up in person because we know that no matter how much research you throw at people, that's not what changes people. Yeah. I mean, you know that. Like people change because of personal connection or that they hear their story and somebody else's story. Um, and so a lot of what we do is trying to cultivate those short the story sharing of being like being able to tell your story and being able to hear other people's stories. Yeah. And that's what we find really changes the hearts and minds of people. 
Absolutely. Absolutely. What about when, when men have come to you to say, like, how can I support? How, you know, is it just money? Is it, is it resources? What, what can men do to support Mama Dragons? We'll take all the above. And there is, uh, we, have a, we have a kind of a brother partnership with uh, Dragon Dads. Dragon not, Dads, yes. It's not affiliated with Mama Dragons, okay. but uh, they do similar things that cool. we do. Uh, and they're more in the infancy stage of their organization. But uh, that is, I feel like, if you can't be a mama dragon, go be a rad dragon dad. Yeah, I know. Because like I, this, what you guys do is so important. And I, it's one of the things that I'm very passionate about being involved in is is being able to to help the kids that are still in church find a way to either, yeah. you know, reconcile that with their faith or to just get the hell out. Um, so I've got to look into this dragon dads. That That sounds... Because you don't have to be a parent to be a part of either one of these organizations. Well, not fully, right? Like, so to be in our support groups, you do. Yes. Um, right? Like, we want to put Absolutely. people in our support groups that need the support. But to participate in our education programs or in some of other programs, no, you don't. Um, to volunteer with Mama Dragons, we have tons of positions that don't require you to be a Mama Dragon yourself. Right. Um, but the, I think the, the bigger thing is, like, a lot of times people find us through their kids, you know, that kids knowing about mama dragons is actually a really helpful thing that they're like, Hey, when you come out, get your mom to mama dragons, right, right. help yourself out. You know, like, I feel like it's, uh, it's interesting who finds us. And, and like Anne was saying, even though both Anne and I come from an LDS background and our roots are kind of in that direction, um, we have people all over the faith map. We have people that come from conservative Catholic religions, mm-hmm. evangelical religions, um, but I think today, I think 25% of our members come from the LDS religion. Wow. Have you ever had a church leader reach out about saying like, you know, I would like to find a way to secretly have you as part of our church's, you know, outreach program? Like, I mean, has, is there any kind of like, I, like I've had something like cells? that back in the day, right? Like, uh, so back in the day when I was still, um, kind of trying to change within I worked with my area in near Seattle, Washington, and we had a, a ward, which is like a, a chapter of a church um, called the Elliott uh, Bay Ward that I named as the Elliott Gay Ward. Um, you know, and we covered Cap yeah. Hill, Capitol Hill. It's kind of okay. like San Fran, right? Like everybody's yeah. queer in Capitol Hill. And they were trying to figure out a way to connect with the LGBTQ community. And I actually worked with them for a few years because it seemed like, remember those couple steps forward they were really wanting to like create space and um and it it was things were moving in the right direction i think at one time we had uh 12 uh queer people sitting on the pews with us i'd show up with my girlfriend holding her hand and and people really did like change and advocate for that um in fact more than ever i feel like that's the mormon church is having problems with that that people are advocating within and they're like how do we stop that um, but in, uh, I think it was in 2012, it, something came up called the November 5th policy because the Mormon church is really policy organized, right? Sure. So they run policies and it comes out the entire organization. Um, and that policy specifically indicated that, um, people who are gay and married were apostate and needed to be removed from the organization. Um, and they also indicated their children. It was really a messy ordeal. And that's when I, you know, there's a line for all of us. They're like, what's yeah. too much? You know, and sometimes you don't know that line until it happens. You're like, that's too much. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> like yeah. I can't help yeah. you. Um, and, and that was really tricky too, because I had been doing advocating work with my stake and with, you know, I had a calling in my church to help reach out to the queer community. And uh, like within, you know, 24 hours, that policy came intact and they're like, nope, toe the line, We're shutting that all off. You guys are done. Um, and I was just like, really? I'm like your people. I'm your friend. I, right. I I had a double date with you two weekends ago. And like, that's it. Like, and I, I guess it was like a good reminder to me too, is like, sometimes I felt like most of us have some type of innate what's right and wrong. All of yeah. us, I actually think come with that. And churches like to label it whatever they want, depending on the religion, you know, it's the spirit, it's whatever it is. And I thought that when the Mormon church or other churches do things that are just wrong. Like people knew it, like everybody said it, they're like, this feels wrong. And then they try to pray about making it feel right. And I'm like, well, when it feels wrong, it is wrong. Like, right. what are you doing? Stop it. Like if it feels wrong, it is wrong. And I just like, I wish, I wish more people could just stand up and be like, Hey, it feels wrong. It is wrong. Like, it doesn't matter who you are, or what you say, whatever yes. religion, you know? Yep. 
and I think that was the kind of my learning moment of being like, these people can't stand up and say this is wrong. Yeah. And, and you know, a lot of people did leave. There was a mass exodus of the Mormon church at the time, and they've had multiple since. Every time they do something like yeah. that, yep. you know, those people on the edge, they're like, hey, it's too far. we got to step out. I'm really interested to see how this new Southern Baptist uh, report about the scores or the the, the many uh, sexual abuse things that they've covered up. I'm really interested and hopeful that there's a mass exodus uh, from that organization as well. Um, I, I, I forget if I hit record already, but I really celebrate that that report came out, even though I mourn the fact that it had to come out. Um, I'm just thankful that it, it is getting out because the sooner that we can get rid of the theocratic oversight of this country, the, the sooner that we can get back to a place of progress that, and, and, and trust that our rights are going to be secured. And um, it's just a scary time in this country for anyone that uh, is being marginalized by the theocracy that is America right now. Um, I sound so cynical about it because I'm just like, it's, it's just exa- as you all know, it's exhausting just to every day hear people just looking to make people feel second. You know, it, it just doesn't make any sense to me, uh, which is why what you do is so important. Do y'all march in pride parades or anything? We do. Well, well in an aspect. So here's the tricky part. So we're on kind of the outside of the trauma circle. I love the trauma circle because it's an easy way to explain. Queer people are in the center of the trauma circle. Yeah. And then the next people outside that are the closest people, usually their friends and family. Yeah. And then outside of that are their, their other friends. And then outside of that are the looky-loos, right? People are just curious. Yeah. Like. When we do pride, we will, uh, we go to a lot of events and we go to events to connect with people and just show them love. But we try not to march in prides because we want to join the other groups and show the other groups support that are the LGBTQ groups. So we can, we can put our voices with their voices because it's, yeah. it's their pride. Right. So smart. Yes, yes, yes. And, and so often I feel like, I mean, as a queer person, the commercialization of pride is kind of gross to me. But what I love right. is like when people can really join together and know what pride is about, pride is about changing our world. Yep. It's about standing up and saying like, no, this has to change. And it's about queer people. It's yeah, not yeah. about allies. It's not about businesses. It's not about all this junk. It's about queer people having some space to say like, hell, this is us. Yeah. See us. Yep. Yep. You know? Yep. Yep. Uh, LA's pride has a lot of scandal around it with commercialism and, and profiteering and all that stuff. Um, and so as a result, uh, we have two prides back to back weekends with competing organizations. One is through the city of West Hollywood and one is LA pride, which is Christopher street West. Um, but I think, you know, another aspect of pride that I feel like is missing is the history. Mm -hmm. Um, and, you know, there's there's a plaque in Hollywood on the Walk of Fame, and it's where the first Pride March was uh, here, and uh, and nobody really knows about it where it is. They didn't even know because that, that was before WeHo even existed. And you know, WeHo is obviously like the gay mecca, um, in a, in the world, really. I, th- I think, um, but there's just so much history that uh, is is not known and taken for granted by. Uh, the younger generation. And as a result, I think that a lot of the younger generation is going to start to see some of the rights taken away um, if we don't get our shit together and um, act up and uh, talk loudly. Yeah, agreed. Agreed. Mm-hmm. And so your your daughter is, is doing well and, 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 and has adjusted and, and has a safe support community and everything like that. She has. She is, I mean, I may be a little bit biased, but right. she is beautiful. She is three years into a transition. She works with an incredible medical team and she has this fabulous um, group of friends at school, which is amazing because we live in a school district where even teachers aren't even allowed to wear a rainbow pin to show any kind of support. It's against the school rules. And so it's amazing that she has found her people. And I think the, you know, the adversity, the persecution of being a gay kid in this community means that they have really bonded and latched onto each other. So she has this incredible group of friends. Um, She's got a family who absolutely loves her and stands by her. She's got a few extended family members we're still working on. Um, And she is very good at setting boundaries and saying, I'm not going to go to this function because there are going to be people there who are hurtful to me. And we say, yeah, you're not going. You don't have to. You never have to go somewhere where you don't feel safe. Yeah. What a blessing. I'm so thankful. It's so encouraging. And I feel like those are the stories that we don't showcase enough 
uh, because you know media thrives on on drama and scandal. But I just love love hearing that. Tell me uh, what it's like as a parent hearing about states like Texas that would be investigating you if you lived there and were advocating for the transition of your child. What? How do you? I mean. It, I, I, I'm not speechless because I have got a lot of words about it, but I'm trying to articulate specifically my thoughts. Obviously, Mama Dragons could could be a support group for these parents who are in fear of being sent to jail for simply loving their kid, because that's what it is when you get down to it. What are your thoughts on it? Oh, I mean, I think my thoughts are a lot like yours. Just horrified. I mean, absolutely horrified and terrified for um, what it could mean for other, I mean... It, what it could mean for my family, what it can mean for families just like mine. Yeah, um, this is—it's unconscionable. I mean, I can't. I it. I don't. <laughs> I don't really know how to articulate it either. Yeah. Um. Obviously, we are, we are working with those parents and trying to help them. But there's, you know, there's only so much we yeah. can do, and not everybody has the privilege of packing up and moving away. Those who Correct. do, that's exactly what they're doing. But what about those who don't? How Correct. do we, how do we help them? It's it's horrifying. So we rally and we educate and we talk and we never stop talking until people finally listen to us and we get those laws changed. But yep. meanwhile, how many victims, yep. how many horror stories do we, how many, how many, how many, how many funerals, how many funerals and there will be funerals. Yes. Oh my God. Yes. Well, and it doesn't, it doesn't just impact Texas either, right? Like when right. those laws happen in other states, kiddos throughout the country are saying, "That's me. That's mm -hmm. me that doesn't have space." Yep. And and I don't I don't think people understand like that. Even if you have the perfect family and you have the perfect religion, that if you have a society that's telling you that you're broken enough to have laws that you can't exist, mm -hmm. like tells you that you're not okay. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. That's another boundary we set with our daughter she she has to just walk out of the room i mean we don't set that she sets that but she right. just has to leave when during those legislative periods where they're discussing whether or not she has a right to exist yep i mean what a horrifying thing to have to listen to and yes. she's in a safe place and she's in a safe family but she is still totally traumatized as celeste says by the things by people debating her right to live yes. her right to exist yes Yes. Um, what, can you speak to, and one of the things that I think that parents who have not had to deal with either a kid coming out as trans or know someone who has, um, it's the, the conversation, especially with, you know, someone who's 14 and you, you don't have to divulge like, you know, where they were in terms of being prepubescent or, or mid or post, but I mean, what, how, how does one navigate that conversation medically, physically, psychologically in terms of saying like, you know, like I, I hear you, I believe you, let's give it time versus like, I hear you, let's go talk to somebody about starting this process. Like, what is that like for a parent to have to navigate? Um, in my family's case, my daughter was already seeing a therapist every okay. week. Um, she was already needing that kind of support and her therapist was already aware, had not been aware for very long, but her therapist already knew that she was trans before she came out to us. Um, and so we kind of already had a safe space, a medical team to start with. Mm -hmm. And I think that that, I personally would give that recommendation to anybody to, to see a therapist, to get started and figure out where exactly you are. And maybe everybody in the family needs to be able to talk that through and, you know, seek yeah. professional guidance on some of those things. Not every kid is ready to jump in on medical treatments. And here in Utah, um, you can't even jump in on medical treatments. There's nothing like that. Our doctors sat down and talked through a lot of things and needed her to be seeing a therapist who explained to her what she was going to go through. I mean, all there are all these safeguards in place. So it's not like we just, bam, jumped in right. and transitioned. Um, and, you know, that varies state by state, maybe even medical group by medical group. But that was that was the case with her. I don't think, I don't think any... I think everybody's journey is different. Yeah. I think in Sophia's case, she had known for years and she knew exactly what she had researched. She had done all of her work. She knew what she wanted out of life. And she finally decided to tell us, let us in on this big story that was going on with her. I can't imagine um, being 14 and having the wherewithal 
to be able to articulate how you feel um, and then to trust, especially growing up, you know, in, in something conservative like LDS and, and, and trusting that it's going to that when I announce this, that it will be received and not, you know, with attacks. But I just what a kid Sophia must be to be. I mean, God, she is an amazing kid. And I mean, that doesn't mean she doesn't have struggles like absolutely everybody else. Everything from or get in trouble or, you, you know, know. stay out past curfew. Yeah, or yeah. Get in- <laughs> yeah. <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> Spend too much time playing video games. Yes, all right. of those things. Yes. But, um, but one of the very first things I said to her, because it was one of the first things that struck me, was how honored I was that she could trust yeah. me with something so big. I mean, what an incredible privilege to be trusted with that yeah. information. And so as parents, when when somebody trusts us enough to tell them, how are we going to respond? What, what are we going to do with that trust, that sacred trust that they yeah. have given us? I mean, and, you and have no matter how you respond, it will, they will never forget that initial reaction. That's right. Ever. And we have moms who tell us, I responded terribly. I, I I said the worst possible things, but I know better now. And my yeah. child and I have talked through it and we've worked through that. And again, I'm all for therapy. I really believe in therapy to get past some of these things. But, you know, moms who are so sorry for the way they initially responded. And guess what? There's still a path forward and oh, you can God, still yes. have a relationship. And, and, and they do. And so, I again, I just love collecting these stories from these incredible moms who come to us. Um, having just been through this experience, and not everybody joins Mama Dragons the night their kid comes out like sure. I did. Some of them need to sit and let it percolate for a little while. Celeste mentioned our program, Parachute, which is um, an e-learning course that you can just jump on in your own quiet time. For me, that's usually the middle of the night because I have four kids. But um, <laughs> you can just jump in and and take it at your own pace, kind of in the privacy and the safety of your own bubble, um, this first course is called Understanding Your LGBTQ Child. And so many parents who come to us just need that safe landing place to to hear stories. It's all research-based, but it's told by parents for parents right. in a language they understand, in circumstances they can relate to. And it gives them an opportunity to learn why we need to affirm and what that looks like and and. Um, you know, how, what kind of language to use and how to really reach your child and how to understand and accept the things that they're telling you. Uh, and I just think it's a beautiful program that so many people can take maybe before they're ready to jump in and say, okay, gung-ho, I'm ready to affirm my kid. I'm, let's go. I'm a mama dragon. They might need a few minutes to sit and say, I, I need to ask a few questions. I need yeah. to learn. Uh, I need to hear a few stories. I need to, as Celeste said, I need to see myself in a few stories first. Yeah. Wow. Uh, Celeste, how do you go about, because I imagine a lot of what you both deal with is inbound um, inquiries about, you know, getting their, your um, to know their, their child. But how do you, do you do a lot of cold calls as well, like reaching out to communities or organizations to say like, we, you know, we, we worry or not, we worry about how you're treating the world. But like, I mean, does it, does it make sense? How? How do you in, in, get yourself into, into communities and situations where you probably are not invited? You know, that is tricky. You think about like even um, marketing and yeah. online marketing. We have definitely found that advertising and connecting with folks that aren't ready to hear the message maybe is not the best route. Um, we do work with a lot of therapy groups throughout the U.S. Nice. so that when there is a need, that the therapist can offer resources outside of that therapy room to be like, Hey, check out this thing that you can learn a little more. Um, We also try really hard to connect with like-minded organizations that we can support each other. So often I think in the nonprofit world, it feels like competition rather than like a symbiotic relationship. And so because we're a U.S. org, like we work with PFLAG, we work with other orgs that are doing similar things and we fit a different niche. Um, and, and I think the other thing is we just try to put a lot of marketing money into being like people when they Google, can they find us when that question comes up? Right. Like, and, and things like this, like, I, you know, this sounds silly, but like you talking about it and like, you know, you don't know the impact that you're making to people that are like, oh, I heard of this thing. Your mom 
probably would love this and it right. might change your relationship with her. Right. Like it's sometimes as simple as that. Yep. Um, and I, it's and people come to us with all layers of information. You hear Anne's story. She got it. A lot of my moms don't get it right away yep. and they need a space that can ask those hard questions that you feel like if you put those other places that you're like, I can't believe you're asking that question. You know, yeah. like we want a safe place and be like, can, you can kind of ask dumb questions if you're ready for the answer. Um, and, and that's, that's it. You know, it's kind of that simple, yeah. but the trickiest part is to work with groups that aren't interested, yeah. you know, like it, you can't force feed it. Yep. And you I think when you, that, when, you, model when, when you do, that's when backlash I think is, is, um, exponentially increased. You know, I'm thankful that we, you know, had the defensive marriage act struck down and that, you know, we get our rights to, to marry, secured for the meantime. Um, but I think in that it was a force fed maneuver that ended up causing a lot of backlash against our community as well, um, in terms of acceptance. Um, Celeste, what would you say to the divine where they're standing before you? You know, I think I would just kind of do like a check-in. I'd be like, this is heaven, right? We're already there. <laughs> right. Like, I, I don't know. Like I, I kind of come to a place in my life that I think there's a lot of power in the ambiguity that yeah. not having the answers is kind of yeah. a beautiful thing. And like leaning into that is kind of awesome. Yeah. Well, especially because we're so obsessed with, with having exact answers and like so I mean, even, problems. even the, just the, the addiction to the binary that this world, yeah. especially this country has, you know, right or wrong, left or right, conservative, liberal, you know, black, black or white, boy, girl, there's, and it just ignores the beauty of the gray area, which is where 99% of us live in one way or another. And I just kind of hope this is it, you know, like if this is it, like what can I do today to make this the best possible world it can be? Yeah. I, I mean, I imagine most of us listening to this are sitting here feel the same way. That's like, I do this because I literally believe that we can create the world we want to live in and the world that we all deserve to live in, you know, but it, it takes effort from all of us. It can't just be a handful of us sprinting around. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And what would you say to the divine? Were they standing before you? Oh, that is such a hard question. I think that's why that I, I, ask might, it. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I think I might apologize for all the times I pretended to speak on their behalf and was totally wrong. Wow. Okay. That's a first. Uh, I get a lot of people who say, I, I would say, thank you. I get a lot of people who would say, who, who say that they would say, fuck you. But that I love it because in reconciling with your faith, I mean, there are things that I, like, I remember one time I was, I, when I was probably 14 years old, 13 years old, speaking at a True Love Waits rally. Do you know what True Love Waits is? And I don't know if it's a big thing in the Baptist church, but it's basically a virginity pledge where you you swear to God, um, you know, honor certificate in front of a group of prepubescent teens to save yourself for marriage. And I still have the certificate that's in my high school Bible. Um, but I just, you know, I, I was up there before my balls dropped and my voice changed saying, um, you know, that sex is a gift from God that's only meant for marriage. And, you know, I had never even like touched myself at that point. And I just think like, not that anybody was listening to a 14 year old Matt at that point about, you know, how to develop a worldview. But I often do wonder who have I led astray in those days where I was still clinging to this, you know, archaic mentality, who listened to me? That's scary. I, I thank you for that's 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 a first. Thank you for saying that. That's that's pretty cool. Um, anything else you want to say about Mama Dragons? How can we find you? How can we follow you? How can we support you? It's pretty simple. You know, MamaDragons.org. Connect with us. Spell Mama because I know there's different ways to spell it. Yeah, M A M A. Great. G R A G O N S. <laughs> it's pretty simple. So Mama Dragons, we're on all the social aspects, like, right. and we're always looking for more support. You know, like. And, and if you don't have a kiddo yourself, there's other things you can do. You can follow your tier your time. We're always looking for funders. Um, come help right. us. Help us change the world. Because if and you put moms on it. And sorry. you're a 501 you're a 501c nonprofit, so it's tax right off as well. Great. Correct. Cool. All right. And Celeste, anything else my audience needs to know about you? No, we just we appreciate all your listeners out there that either have mama dragons already in their lives or yeah ones that deserve mama dragons in their lives yeah and as i'm sure you'll agree everyone deserves to have a mama dragon in their life 
<laughs> yeah, having one it changes the world, you know? Yeah. I really appreciate y'all being on today to talk about your stories. And um, I just feel so honored to now know about you and to uh, have you as a resource. When people come to me and I don't have answers, I can send them to the Mama Dragons. Um, and I, if I'm in Salt, I've never been to Seattle, which is really upsetting to me because I know that I would love it because I'm an outdoorsy, foresty, cold weather kind of guy. Um, but if I'm ever there, I'll look you up. Next time I'm in yeah. Salt Lake, I'll look you up, Could Anna, you and we can go. Adventures? Yes, and we can go uh, defile Salt Lake City together, Anne. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I love uh, it. <laughs> yes, oh my gosh. I really thank you for your time. Uh, and until next time, you can always reach out to me and uh, you'll have a good rest of your week, okay? Thank you for what you do. Thanks so much, Matt. Yeah. And all the people said, gay men. Thank you all for listening to another episode of the Fagnostic Podcast hosted by me, Matt Hayes. You can find me at matthays.com, that's M-A-T-H-A-Y-E-S.com, or on just the millennial socials at Hayes on it, H-A-Y-E-S on it. Please go subscribe, review, and share this podcast. And in the meantime, peace be with all y'all. Hi, Michael Spicer here. Matt Hayes forgot to put my name in the credits of his podcast as the composer, but I'm here to tell you that I wrote the music for his podcast. Whatever the f- it's called... I don't know. 